Welcome back to the Troop Leader Experience Podcast. I feel like I've missed you guys for a few weeks. I was traveling and then with the holiday and I, I batch recorded everything for November. And then in December, I've been sick. So like I haven't recorded a new episode in a while. And this is really exciting because I'm bringing back one of our favorite guests to have on this podcast, on this podcast, Cheryl. And so you've heard on, if you've been listening for a little while, we did a feed swap recently. So you heard one of her episodes. She hosts the podcast. She's also come on to talk about her experiences volunteering. She's talked about gold awards. She's talked about silver award all kinds of really good episodes in the bank here. But recently I had a conversation with another volunteer about convention and Cheryl said, you know, I've attended a lot of conventions and I would love to have more of a a convention conversation with you. So I said, sure, come on back. I will never say no, (laughs) come on back. So hi, welcome back. How are you? How are things? How's your Girl Scout life going? (laughs) Girl Scout life is good. Thanks for having me back. Yeah, I really appreciated the conversation that you had with the other volunteer about convention and the fact that it was her first experience, I thought gave a really unique perspective. There's lots of talk about convention, which we now know is going to be in Washington, D.C. I don't even think we knew when it was where it was going to be when you recorded that other episode. So we now know it's going to be in D.C. in 2026. There's so much chatter in, in you know, in Facebook groups and stuff with leaders starting to plan now for the convention in 2026. And I am so excited for all of those leaders because they are going, them and their Girl Scouts are going to be so much more successful and prepared um, for convention because they're starting now. And I also think it's a retention thing. So like if you get those Girl Scouts and you start planning now and they know they have this big, exciting thing that's happening, it's DC. It's Girl Scout convention, like two really cool things put together. There's an opportunity to keep keep those girls interested, you know, down down the road. And, you know, that's that's something that you, you can't ignore either. Yeah, I have so many questions for you about that, but I would love to back up a little bit because not everybody has heard that convention episode. We have a lot. This is, you know, been the fall is the time of year. We get such an influx of new volunteers, people who are new to the podcast, new to the organization. So like, let's start at the beginning just to clear clarify, what is convention? <laughs> what does that, what are we even talking about? <laughs> So there are actually two parts to convention. There's the national council session, which is the business meeting where we vote on changes to our bylaws and other pieces that are presented. Councils are currently creating proposals to put towards national to have included at the national council session to be discussed and voted on in 2026. So those are already getting put together now. And if you're interested in being involved in that process, reach out to your council. They're called national delegates. So each council generally has council delegates who are delegates that meet and give feedback to your council's board. But the national delegates are the ones that meet and give feedback to the national board. And when they meet, it's at this national council session. Like I said, there are councils that are already planning proposals that they're going to put forth. And there's so there's already conversations happening, planning for the 2026 National Council session. And then the other half is the fun party part, 
It's been called a few things over the years, which is one of the reasons why I reached out to Sarah and said, I really want to come on because I have gone to conventions since 2008. And not only have I gone to conventions, I've gone to conventions in different functions. So like I can give perspectives, not just on convention, but on different functions and opportunities that might be in your council to go to convention. It's GSLE is what it was called for a while. Then in Salt Lake City, they changed it to GSLI for Girl Scout uh, Conver- and co- all the conversations of consequence. So they changed the focus a little bit. They didn't really have that separate track at Orlando's convention. And when I say separate track, it, ha- it happens at the same time as the Hall of Exhibits. And the Hall of Exhibits is the big convention that has all of the booths and tons of activities and lots of fun things for Girl Scouts to do. And then this GSLE, GSLI, this other track was a part where Girl Scouts, youth Girl Scouts got to go into space and they got to go into breakout rooms and hear from different people and have different other conversations and learnings that were really directed towards them. And I'll talk about some of those as I talk about the different experiences I've had at conventions. Um, While there were some breakout rooms in Orlando, it wasn't quite the same as at other conventions. And I was really interested in the other episodes you did on convention because that person's experience was very different than me because I really felt that that separate track was almost non-existent in the way that I've experienced it before. And that guest felt like there was a ton and there was so much that she couldn't make a decision on what to attend. So I thought it was a really unique, um, same convention, two different perspectives. And I think that that's true for every convention and every person. Every person is going to experience convention differently. So you just have to kind of be aware of that as you go into it too. But I just, I thought that was just such a funny little thing when, when you were talking about Orlando with your other guest. Yeah, I I think to your point, it's interesting to hear the different perspectives of having attended several versus this was the first time and what her expectations were as somebody who'd never attended and then how those ex- expectations were either not met or exceeded versus someone who's attended before what your expectations were and then how those expectations were not met or exceeded, right? So I want to start really on the business side because I think there's a lot of question marks around the business part, both at the council level and at the national level. I think you know, it's it's fairly easy to be involved even for a long period of time with Girl Scouts, with your troop, and never even know that there's a business side happening, let alone just to not be involved in it at all. So I guess I want to start with like, what kind of business you you mentioned some councils are putting together. So on the national level, some councils are putting together some proposals now for that convention and convention doesn't happen every year. We didn't mention that in this episode, although we did mention it in the last one. But so there's that too. So they're preparing ahead of time. You said 2026, right? So we've got a long way to go. Also, time flies, but they're preparing these proposals. What kind of business is discussed and how does that actually affect us? Should we care about what business is going on? And I'm that's not a leading question because sometimes I think, just to kind of like cheat my own answer for a second, sometimes I think the answer is, you know, here's why you might care. And sometimes I think the answer is, 
you kind of can just stay in your own lane and do what you need to do. And it doesn't, I mean, most likely it's not really going to make a big difference to the everyday management of your troop. So certain things might change or evolve or whatever for the scope of the organization as a whole. But like, I don't know, sometimes you can get caught up in stuff that gets you worked up or angry instead of just being focused on loving what you're doing with your girls, right? Uh, So I'm curious about your perspective and your experiences on the business side. Yeah, so I have been a national delegate two different times. I was a delegate in 2008 in Indianapolis, which was a very interesting experience. I didn't know I was a delegate until two weeks before, and I had never been to convention, so I didn't even know what I was getting myself into. (laughs) So I would not say I was probably the best delegate at 2008. I took a lot of notes, though, that's for sure. In 2008, for example, we voted on changing the membership, the national dues that now has been changed, that that does not go to national council session. That is done within the administration at GSUSA. But at that time, it was still in the rules that we had to vote on changing membership fees. And so that was one of the things we voted on. Another thing that I think was interesting, given some of the things that they voted on at this last uh, national council session, is we voted on reorganizing the number of members each council has. And we were doing that in 2008 because that was right in the midst of the merge where we went from 300 and something councils down to 100 and something. So we had to update those numbers to make sure that everything evened out with the changes that were coming with the reduction in councils. So those were two things that we voted on. You know, those are examples of changes that are going to be made that impact everybody in the movement. In Orlando, they just, and this is why I referenced it, they they just voted on changing that composition of members again. If I remember correctly, I don't think it passed that whatever the proposal was, I don't think it passed. But I just thought it was interesting that, you know, things circle back around too. I was also a national delegate for the lovely online 2020 national council session, which was a whole thing in and of itself. It was all the business without any of the fun. (laughs) If you like Robert's rules and you like to see how things work, the national council session is for you. It's super interesting for our high school Girl Scouts to attend because they can be national council delegates also. And it's super interesting for them to attend because then they really get a great base and learning for their future because it's all based in Robert's rules. And this year, the reports I heard were that these Girl Scouts, these are high school Girl Scouts that attended as national delegates. They were the most prepared ever that most of the uh, items that were discussed and or voted on were the Girl Scouts were the ones that were talking. That makes me so happy because, of course, you know, I really believe in Girl Scouts because I believe in the growth that it sets these Girl Scouts up for into their future. And that is a great example of another opportunity in Girl Scouts to really do something amazing. Yeah. So, okay. So that's kind of the business side. And if you become a national delegate, so to do that, you go through your council, your council is going to have their own like selection process or whatever for how they pick. If you're not a national delegate, 
how much access to the business side do you have? Can you attend and, and just observe? I know you can't vote. So that is also different for every convention because they do different ticket packages for every convention. And so depending on which ticket package you get depends on whether you have access to national council session. So you don't have to be a delegate, but you have to have the council session ticket in order to observe. Okay. So for example, if you were able to get a ticket package that included observing that session and you took girls there who were not delegates, then they could see other girls in action, which I think would be really cool. That's something on the council level at annual meeting that I really liked being able to take, especially like first year cadet-ish age to annual meeting at my council so that they could see the high school girls who helped really put on the meeting, lead the meeting, et cetera, because then they were like, some of them, not all of them, but some of them were like, how do you become one of those girls? Like, what do they do? Like, I am wanting to pursue leadership, right? Like that kind of, that kind of girl. Not everybody wants to do that, like public facing leadership side. And that's totally fine too. But it was cool to be able to, you know, if they see it, they can be it kind of a energy. Yeah. So I feel like that would be true on the national level too. That would be a really cool retention piece. So speaking of going with girls, talk to me about that. And you mentioned too about planning ahead right with your troop. So I want to like talk about the planning side. But before we even get into that, like, what is it like? What's the experience like to take girls with you to something like this? Yeah. So my first convention, my Girl Scouts were the perfect age for convention in Indianapolis. They were in eighth grade and freshman in high school. So they still had enough excitement about it. I was very, very lucky that my troop, they were probably closer to where sixth graders usually are, where they're still excited about Girl Scouts, but now they're starting to get distracted. They were probably that. So I was lucky that mine, that happened a couple of years later with my Girl Scouts. And I partnered up with two other troops and I took eight of my Girl Scouts. And then we had three from another troop. And then there was another troop. And I think that they had four Girl Scouts. So we had a big contingent of girls, not council supported at all. And this was 2008. There were some travel sites. So that helped with booking like hotels and stuff. But there wasn't internet like we think of it now. (laughs) So it was really interesting trying to make plans and get prices and things like that. One thing I will tell people is when you're planning, you have no idea what the ticket prices are going to be. You just, just go in knowing you don't, you don't have any idea what the ticket prices are going to be. And you have to plan all of this stuff way ahead of time without knowing it. So over plan, it is perfectly fine to over plan, right? Like if you have extra money, then you guys can do something extra fun, special, whatever. For DC, DC is an expensive town. So plan $250 or $300 a night for a hotel room. Like it's going to be expensive. For tickets, I would probably plan at least four or $500 a ticket. Again, you don't know what it's going to be. Think about, I'm really, really hopeful that they have conventions somewhere that transportation is easily accessible. 
I was supposed to be going to a conference in National Harbor, which is technically DC, but let me tell you, it's not connected to DC in any way, shape or form. So I've been to DC and I've used the, whatever their train is, and it's super good, right? Like it's really easy to get around DC. The National Harbor isn't even connected to that. So I'm really hoping it's not in National Harbor and that it's in DC somewhere proper. <laughs> Cause that's, that's true for the airlines. You know, all of the connections, you you want you really need to think about those things. And you don't know that yet. And you probably won't know it until maybe six months before, maybe six months before. Will you have any idea where you're even supposed to book your hotel room or anything? I'm hoping that we're better than that. But that's the reality. Just know that that's the reality going into planning it. I want to I just want to make sure that I don't forget this point. So I do want to talk about the Girl Scouts and their experience. Um, and what it was like bringing them. But I, as I'm talking about planning, the fundraising also comes up. And yes, cookie money can go towards this. And you know, you can do other fundraisers depending on your council and their rules. When we were planning, we live in a low income area. And so cookie sales aren't necessarily a huge fundraiser for us. We had to find other ways. The girls worked really, really hard at fundraising. I was very proud of them. So, but what we did was as a troop, we decided, and what we did was we picked activities. So like we did a car wash fundraiser, right? Instead of dividing that fundraiser money up for the Girl Scouts that work at that fundraiser, because we didn't know how much we was going to make. So is it worth a Girl Scout coming out and working that or not? Right. It's just like a cookie booth. You might get a bad cookie booth. And now what, what happens to the one that has the that hits just at the right time and they make all the money. Like, do they get the credit? Do, does this other Girl Scout, get, you know, what do we do? Like when you're talking about prices, you know, you got to even it out and all the other things. So what we did was we created points. We decided, you know, we were doing an event and it was going to be worth this much, this many points. That meant that if we were just out in the community doing community service, that could be points. It didn't have to all be fundraisers. It could just be things that we wanted Girl Scouts to be involved in and active with. And you had to earn so many points in order to go to Indianapolis and everybody earned their points. And along the way, we earned enough money to support that trip. So, you know, we created a really symbiotic relationship and it wasn't all about the money. It was about putting Girl Scouts first at the same time. So I just wanted to share that leaders because that really can be a difficult piece is when, especially when you have girls from different family means in the same troop, that can be really, really hard. The Girl Scouts though, oh my goodness, they're all turning 30 this year. Okay. So that's what age they were. They still talk about that trip to Indianapolis today. So it really did have an impact on them. When they were in Indianapolis, the girl program, I didn't attend a single girl event at that convention. The Girl Scouts attended those events as Girl Scouts. The Indianapolis Council had um, enough adults there for the safety ratios, and they didn't want the leaders in there. They wanted the Girl Scouts to be on their own and doing their activities. And that theme for that one was uh, live healthy, live healthy, lead healthy. And so it was really about fitness and eating and all of these other sorts of things. At that convention, the thing that I didn't know about was the speakers that they have for convention as a whole blow you away. So at that one, they had Teresa, who's the one that sings I Love Being a Girl Scout. So a lot of councils play that for their whole music. (laughs) 
<laughs> they had uh, Tatiana McFadden, who's a Paralympic Olympic person. They had Gina Davis, the actress. They had Marie Wilson, who is the one that created uh, Take Your Kids to Work Day. So they have like these big, big people. Or the Girl Scouts, the big person that they had was Kiki Palmer, who I had no idea who Kiki Palmer was at the time because I, my, the Girl Scouts watched Disney. I never watched Disney. And for Kiki Palmer, she did a concert at their minor league baseball stadium. It was so cool. It was so cool. And then she stayed after and she signed autographs. She talked to all the Girl Scouts. So we have all of these pictures of the Girl Scouts with Kiki Palmer. It was super, super cool. I will say, because of course it's me. And for those who haven't listened to the other podcasts, I am all, all about highest awards, all things gold. Like that is my jam. The 2008 convention is where that started. Because again, my Girl Scouts were eighth grade and freshmen. I wasn't working on, we had, we did bronze and silver, but I wasn't doing any gold yet. And that was the first time I had learned about the National Young Women of Distinction. And I learned about them because that's a program that doesn't exist anymore. But at the time they had the National GSUSA chose 10 Gold Award Girl Scouts from the past year and recognized them as National Young Women of Distinction. They had those 10 Girl Scouts throughout the different events speaking about their projects. And I was blown away. And so that was the very first thing that got me going, this gold award is a thing. Like, what is the, what is this? I need to know more. <laughs> yeah. So luckily it was in Indianapolis and I we're in Wisconsin. So we were able to rent a 13 passenger, 13 passenger, whatever the biggest van is where you don't need a special license. Like I said, we had three troops. One troop took their own car and got down there, but the other two of us rented a van and we drove to Indianapolis which was really nice because it gives you so much more flexibility to have a vehicle there. And yeah, so that was, that was kind of the Indianapolis experience and my first taste of all things national council and convention and bringing the Girl Scouts there and everything. So my first thought is this sounds really interesting and it sounds like, I think, Probably depending on the girl, to your point about different individuals are going to have different experiences, depending on the girl and depending on the year and the perfect storm of things, it could be just an incredible experience, as they say these days, a core memory, <laughs> right? It could definitely be that. And that sounds really fun and exciting. I also personally really love DC. It's like my favorite city in the United States, or at least in the top two. <laughs> San Francisco is my other favorite. But I, I love, love, love DC. And I think the opportunity to take a troop there feels really incredible because obviously there's so many other things you can do. And I think generally speaking, they try to do that, right? Because last time it was next to Disney, so you could do both. So I feel like there's an appeal to that of trying to make it in a destination that people want to take their girls anyway. And for the sake of getting your girls excited about it, I think that also helps. And also the idea of the costs feels crippling to me because you're right. It's a very expensive city to go stay in. Just planning, even if convention wasn't part of it, just planning a trip to DC if you aren't local to like the DMV area, that feels so 
difficult already possible but difficult and then you throw in potentially like budgeting $500 per person for a ticket that feels astronomical it feels overwhelming it feels paralyzing and it feels like you know what we'll just do our own thing that's how i that's what i immediately go to i was fortunate enough that my troop that i was with for several years um was in a high income area and we could get like family contribution personal contribution but we were not a like significantly go-getter troop when it came to cookie sales. And I've, I've talked about this on the podcast a lot. If, you're, if you've been here with me to talk about cookies several times, because this is the five cookie seasons we've been through now, I have mentioned this over and over because I think we hear so much about the really high sales, these girls that are making this unbelievable money from cookie sales. And it can kind of cause this like false sense of expectation of what cookie season is going to be. So I like to always mention the fact that we didn't make a ton of money during cookie season. We probably, my troop probably brought in in its best year, $2,500, $2,700 tops. And that's the best year uh, for the whole troop, right? And that is pretty much our operating budget for the year, right? The next year. Now, my troop still did troop dues because like I said, we could do a little bit of family contribution, but it's nothing crazy, right? We didn't make a crazy amount of money from dues. That's the bulk of the troop budget that comes from that. And one thing that I really pride myself on is always finding ways to do Girl Scouts in a really low cost or no cost way. Like doesn't have to be this really expensive hobby, especially compared to other extracurriculars that kids can get involved with, right? Sports can be very expensive. Instruments are very expensive. So a lot of these other clubs and organizations have such high costs involved and Girl Scouts doesn't necessarily have to. But convention feels like a thing, even just for me to attend as an individual and coming from Arizona, right? So Flying round trip to Florida alone was enough to make me think I'm not that interested. I would love to go to convention. Not that much. And then when you look at the prices of tickets, it's like, gosh, even more so. So one of the things that we thought about doing is almost like a troop delegate situation from our troop where like if we could take two girls and having the girls agree on who those two girls are, they could potentially run for spots, right? Something like that. We talked about doing that. Of course, then that was leading into 2020, right? So then 2020 happened and everything just changed and then my troop disbanded. So, all right. But going into that idea of did we want to attend that convention? That seemed like a more accessible way for me to make that actually possible. I guess I'm just trying to say, I feel like the person listening might be thinking the same thing that like those things might be coming up for the person listening too. that when you start throwing those numbers in, it's like, I just feel like giving up. So I know you mentioned a l- quite a bit about fundraising. And of course, this varies by council, but how feasible is this? Can you just give us Like, give us a pep talk, Cheryl, and make this possible for us. (laughs) Yeah, and it is possible, especially, and that's why I am so excited about how many people I'm seeing in the chatter already talking about planning. Because if you use three years, that really reduces that barrier and still allows you to continue to do other, other things. Like, you don't have to completely strip bare and only be trying to raise money to go to convention. And I really appreciate this because one thing I did forget to say when I was talking about the chart and the the activities that the Girl Scouts did, where we got the biggest bang for our buck is we went to different community clubs 
we went to the Rotary, we went to the Lions, we went to the Elks, we went to our local community club, we went to the bank because they're a big community supporter. We went to the credit union for the same reason. And the Girl Scouts wrote up, up, you know, this is this is what convention is. This is what we want to do. This is what it's going to cost us. And they asked for donations. And between all the different organizations, that's what actually basically funded our trip. And again, when you do that point thing, you know, now you can, that encourages the Girl Scouts so that you don't always have to have the same Girl Scout going in front of those different groups, right? It spreads that love that way too. But yes, think about your community groups, have the Girl Scouts write up an article for your paper and, you know, put contact information in there because there are people, I am all about supporting Girl Scouts. I like to focus on high school girls high school Girl Scouts with travel, you know, with gold award, whatever. And whenever I see somebody who is doing an ask so that they can go on a trip or so that they can do something for their gold award, you know, not hundred percent of the time, because sometimes I'm like, I think you could try a little harder on something else. <laughs> but if they do a good ask, I am always there ready to support them. Even if I don't personally know them. So, you know, doing it through the newspaper, um, if you have a local community radio station, talking to the radio station and seeing if you could get on there, they're always looking for people to come up and share their stories. So you can have the Girl Scouts just talk about their Girl Scout experiences and then end with the ask and say, we're going on this great trip, but we need support. Get creative and don't necessarily worry about same old, same old fundraising. Get creative and it actually reduces the time intense pieces of the fundraising too. I have a couple questions about that. I love this idea and this feels really inspiring to me. And I feel like that's something I could do. So that, that, that feels good. Or I could lead girls in doing. So my questions are number one, as far as timing goes, when in the three-year timing are you approaching those organizations? Are you approaching them annually? Because theoretically, they have an annual budget. If you approach a community organization like that and it's three years away and you're saying, in three years, we want to go do this, that feels like it would be less of a compulsion on the behalf of the organization to support. Like It feels like it'd be easier when it's closer. But what do you think about timing for an ask like that? So we asked probably about a year before. We did not plan for enough in advance. And so we probably asked about a year before. I think 18 months before is not outrageous. You need to know if you're going to have funds, because if not, then you need to pivot and find something else. And and they're going to understand that. Um, so I think, you know, 18 months seems like a good target and it's close enough that it's a reality, yet you know, it's far enough out that you can plan around it if yeah. you need more funds too. Okay. My other big question about this is, and um, like always, we have the caveat that you need to verify with your counsel, right? Yep, but, absolutely. Um, but based on your experience in 2008 or 2007 in your counsel, so understanding even in your counsel, it's been a minute, right? Those girls are now turning 30. So I, in my council, I know that there are some restrictions on the size of 
individual contributions to a troop. So like if somebody wants to donate to your troop, if it's over a certain dollar amount, it like has to go through council and it goes to you. And um, so like, did you have any experience with that where you had to work with your council to receive donations like that from community organizations or like, how did that work? Because I know I'll caveat this with, I know one recommendation that I had heard in the past is that you could have people donate actual things instead of donating directly a sum of money. And that helps you get out from that red tape a little bit. And again, verify, verify, verify with your council. But I have heard that, like, for example, instead of asking for donations to your troop in general, you can get donations for actual supplies, right? And then that doesn't have to go through your council. You could potentially get donations for specifically airfare, like I don't know if you could get a gift card that might work the same as cash. I don't really know. But like they could specifically buy the tickets for for airfare. They could specifically, you know, purchase the the tickets for convention, even if those if con- that was available. Right. And then it's, it's not a direct monetary contribution. It's a, a tangible purchase. Right. And so I, I've heard that. But I'm that's my next like my gut that's like, no, this would be hard. That's the next thing that comes up for me is what's your experience with that kind of side of it? Right. And I completely agree. Verify with your counsel. I have this not just from convention, but this comes up all the time with gold awards too, right? It is definitely different counsel to counsel. And the reason it's different counsel to counsel is because we are each a tax exempt organization in each state in addition to the regular IRS rules, has different rules. So that is part of the reason why it's different from council to council. It's not just councils trying to make up their own rules. I just, just to share a little bit of behind the scenes. At our council, it doesn't matter if it's a thing, which we call in-kind donation or money, anything over $50 is reported to council. It used to be that we had to, like if we got a $100 check, We had to give council that $100 check. We couldn't deposit it. We had to give council that $100 check. They deposited it. They processed whatever they did. And then they gave us $100 back. Our council has streamlined. And so now we just have a form and we just have to report what we got. And we can just go ahead and deposit the money or take the in-kind donation. But for us, it is $50. And we just have to fill out that form. Now, in order to do any additional fundraising. Okay. And to me, this is a gray area because every once in a while, you'll just have somebody that gives you a donation you're not asking for. I'm sorry. That's not additional fundraising. In my opinion, I would still report it. If it was over $50, I would still go through the process. And the reason that council wants to know that again, is because of their records, because they're this tax exempt and they have to keep track of those things. So they're not trying to make it harder on the troop leaders. It's because they need to keep their paperwork in order. And there's red tape on both sides, especially if who you're approaching is a community-based organization because they're tracking and reporting the money that they're not donating. So it all has to match. And even if it's individuals contributing like from the paper or the radio or whatever, you know, those other examples, if individuals are making tax exempt donations, right, then that all has to be tracked and reported. So I'm totally with you. And I love that you shouted that out, but that it's not a matter of council trying to be different difficult or just make your life harder. It's not that council wants their hands on your money or anything like that's not what it is. It's it's definitely a business thing. So, um, or actually a nonprofit thing. So I totally, I totally get where you're coming from. Anyways, continue. That's okay. So then in our council, filling out that form also triggers that letter that that organization is going to get to acknowledge that they gave that tax donation. 
One other thing, at least with our council, is in order to do any additional fundraising, our council requires that you participate in the fall sale and the cookie sale. They don't define what participate is. Okay. <laughs> so I it, it can be a pretty low bar, right? Um, my troop always sells. I have a troop that had no girls for a couple of years and they still sold a box of cookies and they sold a can of nuts, right? <laughs> Every year because we were participating. Again, that's you know, that's playing the game a little bit, but I wanted it on paper that that happened. And, you know, again, our council doesn't define what that participate is, but they do say that in order to do additional fundraising, you have to participate in those two fundraisers. And then they have a form that you fill out and you submit to say, hey, this is what we're going to do. In the case of convention, and like, if you were going to go around to the community club, I wouldn't necessarily do one of those every time. I would just fill out one form and say, we are going to go around and this is what we're doing. And these are the people we're going to go talk to. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So basically, <laughs> here's all of these ideas about places and people you can ask and make that ask for fundraising that isn't necessarily planning a fundraiser, right? Which could also be happening or money earning project. And of course, also cookies is an opportunity and fall product is an opportunity potentially to be fundraising for this, especially three years in advance. But at the end of the day, anything outside of cookies and fall product, talk to your council, <laughs> talk to your council, yeah. figure out what the like best course of action is for collecting donations for something like that. And I know with like school trips and stuff that are offered that cost money, there's also a recommendation where they have kind of templated letters sometimes even you can find online or that are provided in those circumstances. So you can definitely find them online for this and adapt them that, you know, the girls can approach individuals in their own lives, right. Or in their own communities that isn't necessarily just the troop approaching. So there's lots of those kind of opportunities for asking for money and learning how to ask for money with a good pitch is a really important life skill. And it's something that girls and women are severely less prepared to be able to do culturally, women are not equipped to confidently ask for money. And so there is a huge skill set here that is good and powerful and empowering for girls to be getting before they even get to convention where they have this hopefully totally impactful, um, um, incredible experience and build all these life memories. So I think that's really, really important too. Well, Cheryl, I loved this. And I want to just ask, because I know you had so many things you brought with you to the table. Is there anything I haven't asked that I should have? Like, what did you want to talk about that we haven't gotten to? Every convention is different. I went to Indianapolis. I've shared that story. I went to Houston in 2011, and that's when we celebrated our 100th year. And I went to that convention just as just as an individual. You know, I didn't have any council-related responsibilities or things like that. And it was a different experience. Houston was the one that really, to, in my mind, when I think about Houston compared to Indianapolis, Houston's floor for their hall of exhibits, it blew me out of the water. Like it was, I don't know if it was double or three times the size. It was amazing. And there was so much more to do. And it really was unbelievable. My favorite memory from Houston was the keynote speaker was Katie Couric. And she came out in a junior Girl Scout uniform to give her speech because she had been a Girl Scout and she wanted to share those memories. And there was tons of other really amazing people that they brought in for Houston. It was 
LAT was like a star-studded event. In 2014 for Salt Lake City, that one I had the opportunity to chaperone, I think it was a dozen of our Girl Scouts from our council to go. So again, I took girls, but in this this role, I was going as a council chaperone. And that was amazing experience. I think that experience was so amazing for me because one of our Girl Scouts had connections in Salt Lake City. And one of the things that we got to do, so this was not a convention thing, but one of the things that we got to do because of those connections is it's the gigantic auditorium. Okay. It's huge. And in fact, we got to do a tour of it. We got to go up above the stage and look down on the stage from up where all the lights and everything are. It was so cool. I think the most impactful person that I heard speak there was Elizabeth Smart. And Elizabeth Smart is a young woman who was kidnapped and held for many, many years um, before she uh, gained her freedom. And she came and spoke. She had just released her book right before convention. That was one of the sessions in the Girl Scout Leadership Institute or whatever it was called there that the the Girl Scouts attended. And I was, because I was chaperoning, I was with them because they didn't keep the adults out of the rooms like they did in Indianapolis. That was like, I think the Girl Scouts that we brought there that heard that presentation, they were really impacted by that presentation. And then 2017 was Columbus. And again, I was there as an individual, just all by myself. What they did differently there was in the Hall of Exhibits, they had a couple of stages set up within there. And so instead, they still had breakout rooms. And of course, my favorite session was Chelsea Clinton interviewed the 10 young women of distinction at that convention. But those 10 young women of distinction each had a time that they were on the stage in the Hall of Exhibits. And they talked about their projects there. So it was much more, even though it was in this giant hall of exhibits, it was much more intimate than some of the breakout rooms that we had had before where they were all speaking and everything else. And then of course, if they want to hear about Orlando, they can listen to the other, the other one. I will say I did get to go to the uh, gold award ceremony on Orlando and GSUSA did a bang up job with that gold award ceremony. It was it was celebration. It was really, really good. It was like, I don't know that they could have done anything better. They had a perfect keynote speaker who was a girl, gold award girl scout who shared how her gold award impacted her and brought her to who she is today. Um, it was, it was, it was spot on. It was amazing. So that's, yeah, that's kind of like the width and breadth of my journeys through conventions. I love it. And I definitely have envy. I feel like um fairly confident that I will do whatever I need to do to be there in the next one in 2026. I think, um, you know, it's so far to like make any kind of commitments, but I'm so interested in what all the different ways there are to attend and kind of the different ways to be involved. So I'm going to try to be there. I hope that if you loved this conversation that you're thinking the same thing that you're going to try to be there then we can all have a little reunion i've said this on this podcast before but i think we need some kind of indicator at like 
um, even my council events, because I know there's a lot of you in Arizona, but whatever kind of big Girl Scout events we go to, we need some kind of indicator that we can identify each other visually like as people from this podcast community. So you know that somebody who listens to this podcast, because I know you are my people, right? We have a lot of shared values and um, shared language and shared experiences. And I just feel like we're all friends at this point. So it's like a way to just be able to visually connect. But that way also you all can connect with me and Cheryl. I have a feeling you'll be there because you've been to all of these. <laughs> so my, um, my calendar is already blocked. I've taken the time <laughs> off work and everything. I love that. I love that. Yeah. I think that it would be really fun to have a little meetup there or something. And it's just, like I said, it's just so far to have anything really planned at this point for it. But I do think something like that is in our future. So I think that would be really, really fun. As always, thank you, Daryl, for coming on. I'm sure you'll be back. We always seem to find more Girl Scout things to nerd out about. And it's just always such a blast talking to you. And if you missed it or you didn't know what I was talking about earlier, Cheryl has a podcast of her own that you can find anywhere you listen to podcasts called Hearts of Gold. And she actually interviews Gold Award Girl Scouts about their projects and it's same themes as we talk about on this show, but really different. It's a really different listening experience. So if you want more Girl Scout content, you definitely have to go check that out. Also go back in our library of episodes, go back in the archives and find all of our previous conversations. We've had some good ones. These have been some good conversations. So as always, thank you so much for for being here and we'll have you back soon. (laughs) Thanks so much, Sarah. I, I always love talking with you. It's so fun. 